Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Shad. It is very cold here. <laughs> oh, it's very cold. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and I don't like the cold, but on the other hand, I have an excuse to rock my awesome pea coat now, so, you know, silver lining, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm man. nervous. I'm nervous. Some people have said, it's like some people have prognosticated that it's going to be like a, a really snowy winter. And I don't want that to happen. Like now having like two small kids, it's like, that's not good for me. Like I don't, I have to take days off work, and I, yep. which I don't want to do once if we get snow days. So, yep. I don't that's, know. Uh, we usually would have had a snowfall or two by now. Other than this one, so we've gotten off pretty easy so far. See, in my area, like, it doesn't... Really, like, it snows pretty much, like, January, February. Like, those are the prime time That's prime time months. for us, but you might get some in November and probably one or two in December. We did get, like, a dusting Halloween night, but that's been all mm. we've seen. So we got a dusting um, recently, but it wasn't... It was nothing more than a dusting. I I don't I can't even say it was like an inch. Uh, we got like but, an inch, but it did not st- like it only stuck in the grass, not the not the yeah. like street or anything. Uh, it was on my car, but literally it's like it's one of those that you start the car up and let it run for like ten minutes and it, everything melts. It's like it's that's not. I don't have to, oh, I I don't have to the, bust out the scraper or anything like that. I buy the spray. Hmm. Back, were you? Did your parents like back in the day do the old like hot water trick? I guess you have to be careful you don't like crack your glass. Yeah, but I only do that. Windshield. Yeah, I only do that. It does work. It actually does work. At least if you do it like lukewarm. I only do that warm. to um. I only do that if the car's frozen shut, and I'll do it around the. Um, yeah, yeah. The doors. Yeah. The locks. Or or the old school like the the before I had like the the opener like to get the keyhole open. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it Ugh. on Windows. Yeah, that's just asking for trouble. Yeah, uh, we got a new car. Uh, we got a new car this year, like at the very beginning of the year, like January, um, because we 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 needed like more space, and we got an SUV that unfortunately like there's st- <laughs> still isn't enough space, mm-hmm. um, because like, I got two car seats in the back. But point yep. is like it, it had a. Uh, it has like the remote start from like the app. Like you just, I pull oh, up the yeah. app in the morning, like when it's cold, I don't do it all the time, but I just pull it up and I just, all I have to do is just make sure Bluetooth is on because the car is close enough 
uh, you know, out, out in the yard that I can just like from my from my room just like do the do the whole like remote thing, and that's actually nice because it does actually warm up the car pretty good. Yeah, if you go to if you go to like a store, they have sprays that as long as it's not like under a certain temperature, will mm. um will get the will get the frost right off the windshield. Like the de-icing. Yeah, you just it's just like in a, like a Windex bottle and you spray it and you're good to mm. go. But like if it's under like like when the like if it's under like 30, it doesn't work very well. Mm. But then under yeah, 30. Well, I mean, like if you get like the the salt for your driveway, that doesn't work under like oh. It gets uh, it gets down around a little below zero and it quits working. Yeah, and that and like the stuff they put on the road, like the city, that that stops working around that point too. And depending on where you are, some of them use brine instead of um, instead of salt because you don't run into that so much. But I have to buy non-salt ice melt anyway because <laughs> the front steps of my house actually deteriorate if you put salt on them I have yeah to get, I, I actually i found I, that out the hard way i put like <laughs> uh, i put like a de-icer last year and it started eating up my like my front like driveway area and it's mm-hmm. like that that was not that did not make me happy so. i have to get yeah. pet safe so mm. yeah yeah well there. <clears throat> at least for mine the de-icer doesn't do anything but the salt will so i've got like a a kitty litter tub of salt in the garage and then i've got a, a thing of de-icer for the steps since <laughs> because we can't have it be easy <laughs> well you can't find you can't find it after a certain point here it's really aggravating i yeah. i really just put the i don't really I only put the salt down like if it's gonna like if it's starting to snow to kind of keep it under control, but like um, that's really it. Like my driveway is really easy to do, so. Well, that's nice. So tonight we are doing. Um, do we say this is a bit of an offbeat topic? Uh, yeah, I think that'd be a fair way of putting it. So uh, we're not going super in depth on it. We just kind of pulled up some matches. So we're doing this week. We are going into the deep south in the state of Alabama, and we are looking at Continental um, Championship Wrestling, I think it was called, or the Continental... It eventually becomes the Continental Wrestling Federation, I think. But I think it's Continental... Maybe Continental Championship Association? I don't remember. I think it's Continental Championship Wrestling. Because I think... Um, I get confused because Memphis was the Continental Wrestling Association... But they ran in the Mid-South Coliseum. Yeah. And so so Continental has like a bit of a history because it was Gulf Coast Championship Wrestling, I think, through okay. the 70s. And then it was Southeastern Championship Wrestling up to 1985. And then in like June of 1985, and I've watched a lot of this TV, so uh, they kind of like do this big um, redo. They get out of a TV studio because that's where wrestling was heading at the time to look uh-huh. bigger so they go into the arena with gordon Soley there and then they became continental uh, championship wrestling oh okay so if you um if you not watch this uh so your big your big stars over the years here are like your bob armstrong uh the fullers because i think the fullers own it uh dirty white boy tom pritchard uh 
uh, the arms like the other Armstrongs were here. Um, fun fact: um, I saw a couple of matches with a later fairly famous referee, Nick Patrick, as a wrestler on some oh, yeah. shows. Um, so yeah, that's a fun little thing. So this is where we're we are going. I think this is Question. probably like yeah. Was it Continental Championship Wrestling? I think so. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking it's, it up on like Cage Match, and that that shows that it was. Uh, if if you look at the names, it changes uh, like every other year for a while. Oh, this is not it, because I looked. At, I'm looking up. There's one that it was in Alabama. I'm like, oh, that must be it. But it says active from 2002 to 2005, and I, obviously that's not. Yeah. Uh, look up SC, Wrestling Association. Look up Southeastern Championship Wrestling. Oh, uh, I think it's. Thing. I think it. I think it's a uh, Continental Wrestling Association. Okay. Uh oh, they, it, if hmm. If oh this no, I'm is looking right, at I'm looking at that's the. Jerry Jarrett. I'm looking I'm looking at a screen cap and Gordon Sully's in front of a sign that says Continental Championship Wrestling. Oh okay, hold on. Oh, okay. Maybe this maybe this one was like a revival. So this is uh, so this ah. runs in like Alabama and Knoxville is kind of like Alabama, there. yeah. Um, <laughs> so what we're doing tonight is we're taking a look from this area and we're looking at some matches featuring Adrian Street and the Hustler Rip Rogers. We've kind of we've touched on both of these guys a little bit before, but it's interesting to see the two of them work. I mean, they're both so good at what they do. Um, it's it's fun to see them working together. Can, can I can I talk about what blew my mind about watching these? What's up? Is that it's like probably somewhere between like 1985 and like 1988, and Adrian Street is acting very gay, but he's very <laughs> very over, and he's not like toning anything down for the crowds, and it's mm. working. It's not just working. Um, What's the best way we can put this? It's not just working, but it is working as a baby face. Yeah, and um, I kind of feel like Gordon Sully was kind of ruining it with his commentary a couple times because he couldn't quite he he didn't trust the audience enough. Which, if you watch the crowd shots, it's not like it's like people you wouldn't expect to be like cheering him on because I think I think it was kind of in the vein of um. Yeah, he's an asshole, but he's our asshole. I think that's kind of what was going on. But Gordon Soley, like, if you're if you're listening to the commentary, like, I think in almost every match, he's like, look, look, okay, I understand. This guy really loves cock, but trust me, he's all man. Not quite, but yeah, and, he, he does nod to it. And there's one in the, the third match we're going to do. He's drunk as a skunk because <laughs> so, he's like slurring his words and you, you, he just like you can tell he had a few too many before that one so as a um <clears throat> uh, this might be the kind of thing that would land me in trouble but i will fully admit here at the beginning that gordon Soley has never been um a i have never had a uh great fondness for Gordon Soley as a wrestling announcer. 
he's oh. very up and down with me. I've heard stuff with him where he adds to it, and there's other times where he's too dry. And I feel See, like he was. I feel like he was washed in these clips. In everything I have heard, at least that I have heard, and I will fully admit that that's not everything. But the stuff that I have heard, um, Gordon Soli has not been a a net positive to what I have listened to. Um, maybe at other points in his career he is, or maybe in some other stuff that I haven't listened to he would be. But he's a little more animated in Florida. That's that, that that's there's about a, there's where he's a, at his best. There's a joke in there somewhere, and I can't quite get it to come together right now. But, like, I think he's, uh, he's obviously – I mean, I'm not, he's not my favorite. But I would say in these clips, like, this is not even good work by his standards. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, uh, I would agree with you generally, Chad. Like, I've never really been like that into Golden Soli. Although, I, I guess in fairness, I have not seen a lot of him from, I guess, his heyday. It's – I've seen mostly just stuff where he was like older and he, I did find him like too dry. Uh, I guess uh, I said offline, like I was, I guess I could say I'm more of like a Lance Russell. Yeah. Man. Cause Lance is part yeah, of the I, show. I, Lance I, is not like, mm. um, Lance is like Jim Ross. Like they're part of the show and, and um, Gordon feels like it kind of almost a bored at times, impartial observer. Because like like I don't like when I feel like um like when Gordon announces, I mean there's a good clip um I'll show you Shad that I think you might like where the masked superstar is like I think I've showed it to you before but he's like I think he's like the TV champion or like the Georgia champion and he's like reading off his list of like top contenders and there's yeah. one that's like an obvious jobber and. Gordon rolls his eyes and Mass Superstar's like, "Come on, he's a quality opponent." <laughs> yeah, you've uh, you've shown me that one before, and it's it's amusing, but <clears throat> I'm not. Um, but but that's just think, Gordon as an announcer does not do it for but me. Where I think it, that's different though is like um like when you listen to Jim Ross or watch like mm. a lot of TV with Jim Ross or Lance Russell. You get the idea that they have like relationships with the wrestlers, like um, like when you watch like Lance Russell, obviously, but like Jim Ross, like there are guys that come out and Jim Ross just has to get his extra digs in because you can tell like mm. like like it's something with like Paul Heyman in like um, WCW, it'd be like, well, speaking of stinkers, like here's like the danger hmm. zone with like, you know, like there's, there's stuff that Jim Ross does. Cause like right. there's guys he'll hype up. There's guys, even on the bad guy side, sometimes you'll see guys that, you know, he respects or, um, you know, annoy him extra, extra hard. Right. And I want in my announced team, I want somebody who is adding to the show. I want someone who is enhancing um, what's and, going on. I don't want the disembodied voice. I don't want, you know, Gladys from Portal to be the announcer for my, hmm. uh, you know, for my wrestling stuff. It's like, no, draw me in. 
Like, make this pull me into it. Make me more bought in. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna pick this up. So we're gonna these are gonna be similar, but we're gonna go with the standard. This is just um, Rip Rogers and Adrian Street. Um, and this is like the, there's gonna be a gimmick match, a tag, and then a standard match. So this is a standard match, and uh, Miss Linda is out with um, Adrian Street, and was it Miss Brenda was um, Rip Rogers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Miss Brenda. I don't. I've never seen the Miss Brenda person. I don't, so I don't know who she is. I don't know. This was a what? What time frame was this match? Eighty. I would say it's probably eighty-six to eighty-eight sometime. Okay. Uh. So this was. Uh. This was before Rip, and his uh, GWF Global Wrestling Federation yeah. days. Oh um, yeah. Now, can... Uh. He he was beefy in this. He's he's like much bigger than he he got later on, I guess. But he did, I guess, in real life, like he he was or did used to be like a bodybuilder. Well, and, and Adrian's a smaller guy too, so that helps him look a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Now I want to say, can we can we talk about my favorite part of this? I love the fact because I, I I think the belt was usually red, but I love that that the junior title that Adrian Street has has a pink belt strap. Yeah, oh, like yeah. He, he got it restrapped. And it's like it's not it's like pink pink. Oh yeah, it's it, hot pink. It's yeah. It's real pink. That's what uh, uh I, in that case I don't use the word pink, I call it pink. Because <laughs> it's like it's like pink but more so. I just wish he would have taken it a step further, like bedazzled it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might have been a time constraint. Yeah, that's true. But um so this is this is so these matches, I'm going to say, there's not, like, a ton of work to them. Um, and I wouldn't say, like, if you're going into these expecting, like, five-star classics, that's not what you're going to get. What you get in these are Rip and Adrian have really good chemistry together. Um, I would say the character work is really strong. And mm-hmm. I would say if you were watching this week to week, for me at least, I wouldn't say, like, oh, these matches are amazing, but I would... They're interesting enough that I think if I was going to the shows, I would go back to see it again, or I'd want to tune in to see where they go next with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll even say, in the, the final tag, um, there's a turn, and I even went looking to see if there was, like, a follow-up match to that, because, like, it had intrigued me enough to want to follow up on. Mm-hmm. Which I don't do for a lot of stuff on this. I don't go... I don't go looking for the next bit, so. It's, um, you said that you don't see a lot of quote-unquote work, and it's interesting to me because uh, we've watched a lot of, yes, we've watched a lot of, well, we've watched a fair amount of older stuff, and there's a, a decent amount of that older stuff that's, you see guys going out there and they're doing a bunch of stuff and moving around. And it's like, well, no bullshit. Someone's like, you know, in the old days you only had to work a headlock and you could throw a punch and sell off of it for like five minutes. It's like, no, no, you couldn't. But these guys were one of those rare cases where they kind of could, like they didn't have to do a whole lot in the course of the match to like, they just didn't need to. So they didn't do it. And, I um I, I was surprised because I didn't quite catch on that Street was a face at first, 
And Ripcott on the mic, he's like, don't use that word. I'm like, oh, are they are they using the F slur at um at Street? And I go back like, well, they're using an F word, but it's not aimed at Street. And they're calling Rip Rogers a flea bag. Flea bag. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, I had kind of the same thing. I'm like, wait a minute, what are, what am I hearing here? And then I mean it's flea bag and I was like Yeah, it's the South and uh the eighties. <laughs> yeah. It's believable. Uh, I did like I did like um, Adrian's like play on it uh, for it. He's like, oh, I would never call a flea bag a flea bag, flea bag. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like <laughs> it's calling him without actually saying it. It's it was really clever, and uh, I'm I'm kind of watching it now, like the the opening to that match, and it is kind of remarkable that he's faced. Because he comes out first off, he comes out. It's not quite like leather gear, but it's 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 almost in that vein. And he has like his hair and like multiple ponytails, uh, you know, face painted. And he's like real acting real effeminate. Yeah. Uh, even like he like points to Rip Rogers in the ring, and it's like really like, uh, pardon me, wait for describing it this way, I guess, but he, it's very like almost like limp wristed. It's like he's he's really pushing like the effeminate yeah. thing. But uh, I don't know. It's like it's I don't know how the crowd was feeling about it, but maybe they just found it endearing because that seems to be the case. Like it's it's almost like he's crossed a line where it's like it's so over the top, but. Uh, but campy <laughs> that he kind of won people over. I think he's I really feel. good at his job, because remember, remember when we watched uh, yeah. him and Savage in um, Memphis? Mm-hmm. Well, one, he would go into the crowd, which mm-hmm. I, I I take my hat off that that's one man that knows his shit if he's willing to go into that crowd of animals. I... Not fear for his safety. But remember, he popped the crowd. <laughs> remember, he was popping the crowd, though, mm-hmm. with some of his I, like, stuff. I don't know. I don't know if I've heard anything specific about him, but I, I get the impression like he probably like he had to have been like a tough I believe I believe I read I I saw an interview about him where someone said that um, a couple of a couple of fans tried their luck because, you know, they are being homophobic and learned a tough lesson about fucking with him. And he also beat also why why he is goat tier is he beat up Jimmy Savile. Oh, yeah, he did. I did hear about that. Yeah. Well, Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the context around that. And remember, he he grew up in like he. He was like a, a fucking coal miner, so you know he's like yeah. a hard ass. Like oh, he's coal. I and I think he had like a hard upbringing. Like yeah. I, we talked about it on the podcast before. He took when he died. Like he took a picture. There's an infamous picture he took, like in front of like a. I think it's like in front of like a giant furnace or something like that. It's like I, I, yeah, it was, a, it was a it was it was the elevator the miners rode down. Oh, okay, yeah. and uh, it was the the mine that he worked in. Yeah, yeah. it's mine he worked in, and the guy the the older guy coal miner that he's worked like standing next to was his dad. He and he specifically said like I showed up because he had like uh, he's like so full of like just pomp and everything. Like just it, he's like like sh- <laughs> it was like a there. The personification of disco walked in on. Yeah, it, it's like as flamboyant as can be. And he basically said, like, I, he basically did this like an FU. It's like I wanted to, like, he basically say FU to my father. If ever, like, I've made it successfully as a pro I, wrestler, not as a as a 
coal miner. I just like to think that he's like trying on stuff for this, and he's like, "Hey, Linda, like, are these shoes gay enough mm. for the coal mine?" <laughs> no, love, they're not. Okay, gotta do something more, like, worse. I'll get, I'll get taller platforms. Yeah. Oh, yes, taller platforms. I actually, I, fun fact: I showed that picture to someone that was gay, and the, their first reaction was, "Oh, I love those shoes that he had <laughs> on." <laughs> There, okay. I, I'm gonna add something. I didn't get this the first time because I, I watched this, try to watch this a couple these the matches a couple times. Um, <laughs> so in this first match, the, with I mean, there are points that he's like he's skiffing around the ring because then Rip Rogers is like you know frustrated outside. There's a, a scene where like there's a there's a, a, a spot where Rip like uh, Adrian's like in the corner. Rip goes for move. Adrian like moves. It's not like a high impact thing. Like he, it's not like Rip Rogers doesn't crash or anything like that to the turnbuckle. But Adrian moves, so Rip Rogers like he still holds this momentum. He's like facing the turnbuckle, and a lot of times in spots, it's like, oh, what's he gonna do? Is Adrian gonna ram his head like into the turnbuckle? You know, do the whole like spot like that? No. What he does is like he takes he literally takes his fingers or thumbs and he like gooses rip rogers <laughs> and it is like i missed that the first time and rip rogers is furious yeah. I, I was telling i was telling you guys before the show i thought that's a brilliant like the fact that he can use like skipping around the ring and smacking mm. a guy on the butt like and get pops or heat for that is like really mm. brilliant in its simplicity mm-hmm I think that in this setting, the vibe that I got, I should say, is that they hated Rip Rogers so much that seeing Adrian Street screw with him in whatever manner he chose made those people so happy. Mm. And so it it didn't seem like it mattered what uh, who was up against. And this is one of those cases where the. Uh, you know, the the villains making the uh, making the face and he's just he is <clears throat> they hate him so much that, you know, here it's there's not a good comparison because I don't think Goldust ever did it to anybody. Well, I think but, I think there's a difference with Street, too, though, where they also respect him, because that's one of the things you notice about him is is uh, is Matt has said before, like. Before the bell, he's skipping around the ring like a poof. And then the bell rings. And the next thing you know, he's just mauling some guy. Mm. Like, with no, like, with no, like, <laughs> pause or anything. So I think, I think here, too, there is a bit of respect because they do, they have seen him for, he is, a, like, a regular in the area. So they know he's, like, a hard ass, too. Mm. Okay. So you've, you've got the, um, you had the dichotomy on display um, in, I, I guess it's a way to put it, but. And it's also someone to like, based on Rip's antics during these matches, it's also someone that's throwing like his, his like tactics right in his face. And like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, remember, remember that Chris Hero and William Regal match we watched? Where from NXT, where re, where it was pretty much Regal just saying, "Okay, young pup, like I invented all this shit you're doing, and I'm gonna show you, like, like." I remember that we did it. I don't remember the match very clearly. But it's like one of those ones where, like, it's the old, like, grizzled vet 
like showing the young pup like i i was doing all this while you were like still like, yes. in diapers like so like let's there's a very bitch please aspect yeah. to it it's like i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show you how it's done mm-hmm. like so i think there's some of that too mm-hmm. so do we want to talk about the ending of this yeah so that there was um so there was a lot of antics was it knuckles he had he had like knuckle dusters yeah okay uh, there was antics, but I, I actually think, because I'm, I'm again, I'm trying to, I tried to watch this a couple of times, and it's actually really clever. Uh, it's more clever than some of the stuff they do nowadays, which is sad to say. Like it's like, you know, 30 years ago. But it, it's really clever. So he, uh, who's whatever Rough Rogers second is, Miss Brenda, whoever his Ms. name Brenda, is. Yeah. Yeah. I had, to, I had uh, to keep listening because I'm like. I'm, Cause mm-hmm. like then the, I wonder if she was just there to like mock Miss Linda. I wonder if that's that was like. The I, idea. I don't know. Um. Anyway, like she she gives Rip uh some knuckle dusters and Rip like he's in the corner and so when Adrian like he and Adrian's like a house of fire he's like beating the hell out of Rip Rogers. Uh, so when he comes over to like in the corners to get them like Rip you know, basically sucker punches him with the knuckle dusters. So Adrian's down and it, Riff Rogers like blindly like hands them, like he's handing them to Miss Brenda, but Miss Linda grabs them from him. Mm-hmm. And so Rip pins Adrian, but he does it near the ropes. And meanwhile, while he does this, Miss Linda like rushes over and slides the knuckle dusters into Rip Rogers, uh, tights. Cause it, at first what I saw, like, he, like, he Rip Rogers is handing to Miss Linda. I'm like, whoa, what what happened there? But then she immediately goes over, slides them into Rip Rogers' tights. Like he wins, and this is like for the title. So he thinks like, oh, I'm the I'm the new champion, everything like that. But Miss Linda goes in, and it's like, no, look, he cheated. Look, and the ref like sees the knuckle dusters in Rip Rogers' tights, reverses the decision, and it's like that's like such a clever thing. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really happen. Like I. I it's it's kind of cutesy, but it's also like it actually worked in the context for this. And then she ate a clothesline like a total champ. Oh yeah, Riff Rogers like was so pissed off he just like clotheslines her, and which is like again this that in terms of like heel heat that's got to be pretty high. Like this was ten years before ECW, and like every woman would get brutalized and people would love it. Well, this is before uh, Sherry Martell was doing her stuff too, because I always talk about what an animal Sherry Martell was, but like Miss Linda gave no shits. Like remember. Remember the Savage match where she was just, like, punching him in the face? Yeah. Uh, She's a menace. I don't know that I've ever seen... I don't know if I recall Sherry ever getting, like, really, like, horrific bumps. Like, I I remember, like... She did that, um... Was it... Was it SummerSlam 89 where she got tossed out of the ring by Hogan? Oh, maybe. I, I, remember I mean, someone like, caught her, but I, she did some I remember, stuff. Yeah. I remember that him giving her like weird. a big like atomic drop or something like that. I don't know. It. I. But she ate, like, Miss Linda here ate the clothesline. I mean, he just like, he almost like, he almost said like the indicator call off Russian sickle. Like, that's what it basically I'm, was like. I'm trying to remember what it was. Cause we watched something that was really bad, and we were like, Sherry worked harder than anyone else in that match. <laughs> I remember we did that, but I don't remember what the event was. Yeah. I don't know. 
but Adrian is incensed at this and you know now it's like oh it's for real like it's on like he's like the the whole exotic angle of it just goes out the window like he's it's no longer like I'm the prancing skipping poof as you say like he's he's ready for, he's out for blood yeah I don't think I'd want Adrian Street mad at me Oh, and for good measure, Rip Rogers steals the belt and cuts a promo with it like he won it. Yeah. I, I'm with Matt. I really liked the ending on this. I, I, there was so long of faces having to be naive, blind morons as a trope that I just enjoy seeing them be clever and pull the turnabout and that sort well, of stuff. What's the point of having a valet or a manager if they're not going to bail you out? when there's injustice like what's the point of like, them if... okay so this this take might end up getting me shot but aside from being nice to look at and walking with him to the ring miss elizabeth almost never did that for savage so she got hogan the one time yeah that's that's what i mean is there was that one time Oh, there was that's the time. why I don't consider her a great manager. She was there with him, but she didn't like do much. There was the there was the SummerSlam one where she tore her skirt off to distract Ted DiBiase. <laughs> yes. I will tell you who my favorite um, valet ever was, though, was was Jacqueline. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause you want to talk about you want to talk about Jacqueline wasn't a valet. Jacqueline was damn near a bodyguard. She was better than China. Yeah. She was better oh, yeah. Than, way better than China. China would just stand there and then wait for her wait for her spot and then do her spot and that was it. And mm-hmm. Jacqueline was like most of the time like prowling around outside, mm-hmm. just waiting for an opportunity to get a shot in. Well, remember and, that uh, um, that Sullivan Benoit. Bash at the Beach 97, I think it was. Like, she was doing as much damage to him as Sullivan was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and Jimmy Hart was getting in on that, too. So there were all three of them going for it. But she was uh, just wild uh, going for it. I remember there was a promo she cut once about woman, and she said that she was going to beat her like she stole something. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think she was holding like a belt like doing like the smacking it on her hand thing while she was saying that like oh i don't think i would show up to work if she was talking about me i remember vaguely and she the... was even in uswa like when she was miss texas like she was bald and doing all this stuff which made her even more like scary huh I remember, and this is really weird, but I remember her, her feud with Sable. She like ripped a big patch out of Sable's hair and then had it woven in with hers. It's kind of a trophy thing, and I'm like, that's uh, that's not what I expected to see. That was such a and waste I, of her too. Uh. So then, I don't. I think the I think the the Texas Death Match is probably a follow up of this. Um, so this one, uh, starts kind of midway through. So now Texas death match, which doesn't really get done anymore. So the, the idea of a Texas death match is it's no DQ, no count out, 
but the point is you you pin them and then they have to answer a 10 count so it's kind of like a, a last man standing with some I guess a yeah. prototype last man standing match. Yeah. I know that there was a different name for the pinfall and then 10 count thing, but I can't remember what it was. So uh, the the first thing Shad said, and I kind of thought it was a brilliant heel move, is Shad's like, why is Rip Rogers still hiding the weapon in like an ODQ match? And I'm like, well, I mean, that that is kind of, that would kind of upset the crowd that he still was like trying to be sneaky about it. Mm. Uh, I, I guess about, I didn't think about that. Uh, I would just think like, well, maybe it's just like have it. Yeah, but you I mean, are if, correct. It's he was if, like he would, he would hit him again with the knuckle dusters, then he like slide into his uh, tights. But like, you're in no DQ match, like yeah, well, kind of doesn't matter. I don't. It is a very alien thought process for me as a heel because if I was in a setting like that. Um, the, uh, if I was in a setting like that, then my problem would be, I don't, I would want everyone to see it, you know, cause if I'm, if I'm wailing on, if we're having an ODQ match and I have a weapon, I want to see every, I want everyone to see me wailing on the face with it because, you know, here I am being the dastardly heel and yes, it's in bounds, but I'm being a dick about it. And so that means that the, the fiery you know, the fire up and the comeback is even better because they've seen me doing it. So I'd feel like for me, it would be why I think it would work is because you're insulting the crowd's intelligence. Okay. To a certain extent, because you're still like doing all that stuff. And I think there'd be a, like, I think the crowd would get mad. because like, why is he doing that? He doesn't need to do that. Why is he being a jerk? Right, right. I mean, and Rip had a lot of weapons in this match. Yeah, it's it, it's just something that, at least at least in the way my brain works, it it, it didn't. Yeah. It, it didn't track, but that's okay. That's just me. And because this is like after 1985, there are nunchucks involved. Eighties <laughs> and nunchucks, man. I, I swear it's. I, it, I did like the subversion, though, and why it's why I love Adrian Shriek. Because Adrian Shriek gets a hold of him, and he's like, I don't know how to use these fucking things. So he just, like, <laughs> smashes. He just rip grips it. both of them together in one hand. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that made sense. But so this is, um, I would say this match is slower, but it's very much about them inflicting damage on each other. Um... I didn't really parcel them out as I watched them. I just kind of watched to see where they were going because I do that a lot with stuff is I don't I don't want to try and break it down the first time I watch it. I kind of want to enjoy the ride and see where it goes. And um, once I get there, you know, see, see how it hits me if I go through it the way that they're building it. Um, so I didn't really think about it that way, I guess. I just kind of thought of it as, you know, here we are, we're doing stuff with weapons, we're doing stuff with weapons, and then street. And since it's the 80s, the nunchaku is the the correct term, I guess. But since it's the 80s, those are the deadliest thing that have ever existed in humankind. Um, and you know, of course, he busts him out and hits him with it, and and that's that's the ball game. Um, 
Well, I like that the weapons, like the knuckle dusters, especially, like um, play a factor in all the matches. Like that's obviously like a theme and like a element that they carry over from match to match. Was that a hallmark of uh, Rip Rogers' heel work? Um, I haven't seen a lot of him in the 80s, honestly, and this is probably, I would say, the biggest push he's ever gotten, other than maybe ICW. Like, where I know Rip mostly is, like, SMW, GWF. Um, Some of his being, like, uh, JTTS on, like, WCW and, like, the early 90s stuff like that okay. that's how i first saw him he was a he was basically a job to the stars and in, in, in wcw i almost feel like he popped up in wwf at the time too a little bit but yeah i'd have to look if he was ever in wwf well not like regularly but i almost feel like he might he have, been, have like, been a taping or something yeah yeah but yeah i didn't know uh, like mostly oh and, wait um, no um mm-hmm. he wrestled adam bomb on the, the Raw we watched, didn't he? Uh, maybe. It could have also be like regional. Like if he was, if yeah. they had like ranches like the South, he could be a. He could oh yeah, the South. he's a ringer that you can call up and you know what you're getting I'm, with. I'm mm-hmm. 99% sure that Raw we did from '95, he wrestled Adam Bomb. Huh. Okay, I don't, I don't have that bookmarked, so I can't really look at it. I, but. Uh, I have no reason to doubt your recollection on it. Um, I but, remember, I think we were complimenting him for like making Adam Bomb look really good. You know, I I know some people had an issue with Brian Clark, but I never did. I, I kind of dug Brian Clark in. Um. I kind of dug Brian Clark in general. Um, I didn't, I didn't really buy into a lot of the hate that he got. So then again, I also think Adam bomb was probably his dumbest gimmick. So I don't know. It was really dumb. Yeah. I, I thought he was fine. Like, I, and he wasn't good really, but. Uh, probably the best thing that Brian Clark did was uh, I think I'm gonna say Wrath, although I thought Wrath was really good. But I thought like the his tag team with with as Chronic with Brian Adams, like they got really oh, over. Yeah. They got they really did. over, and it's like, well, what a surprise! Like if it's, it's almost like the whole like Road Warrior mentality. It's like if you have two guys, big dudes, and you book them as like they're just gonna go in there and wreck everyone, then yeah, like they get over. Like it's it's as simple as it can be, but yeah, yeah. that's what happens. Yeah, and, and yes, Chronic was Vince Russo's dumbass marijuana reference that he was like, "Tee hee hee, I got it past the censors," but like nobody cared. They didn't have like weed themed gear or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it is also unfortunate the story of how Chronic. Well, okay, er, damn near everything about the invasion is unfortunate, but what happened in their story, in their match with Kane and Taker, is is really, really a shit hand to get dealt. Um, but then again, I, I think Brian Clark's also in prison right now, so I shouldn't ballyhoo him too much, I guess. 
So he worked, Rogers worked exactly two WWE shows. He worked a Superstars and a Raw, and we have reviewed the Raw he was on. Which okay. is the one that had Diesel and Jeff Jarrett as the, the main Oh, okay. Player. Yes, I remember that match. Okay. Interesting. Well, Brad, your powers of recollection are, are holding quite well. I don't remember how I had any recollection. <laughs> well, you're doing pretty darn good. But, yeah, Rogers is pretty clearly a pro. He's um. He has a bad ma- Rage on Cage match because people are dumb. Well... <laughs> They don't understand. Like, that's that's the, the thing I have been beating the drum about on this show and what a lot of idiots don't understand is just because they're not uber flashy and can't do, don't do, like, five kajillion moves doesn't mean they suck. I mean, like, that's the thing I've learned with, like, territory stuff is, like, most guys are good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if they weren't good, then you wouldn't they wouldn't put them on their TV. Yeah. Um, The unfortunate part is that it, it's been amusing here recently at the time of recording. You know, uh, we've been going through a salty day phase with Twitter. Um, but Meltzer's made the point that saying, you know, why he, someone said, well, why are you handing out so many five stars? And he says, because there's more people learning the best of more styles. And so you're getting better stuff. And it's like, OK. Fair enough, but Dave Meltzer's style is very much the athletic. We've talked about that. Fast-paced stuff, yeah. He grew up in with Bay Area wrestling with um, Pepper Gomez and Ray Stevens. Like he grew up in a work rate territory. Yeah. And as we've said repeatedly, and it is a defensive Dave that I wish people would actually understand or go back and read his writing. That his preference of style goes all the way back to the beginning, but. People are always going to prefer what's similar to the style that they were first exposed to and really enjoyed. Yes. And what I was getting at is that people like Rip Rogers knew that they didn't have to kill themselves. Like, I think that that doing the athletic flashy stuff is great. If you're able to do it, then that's absolutely fantastic. People love it. It gets you noticed. The downside to it, though, is how long have both members of Top Flight been out collectively with injuries? You know, that's that's their bread and butter is doing that. I mean, they're know, the cursed. acrobatic flashy stuff. They're cursed. Well, but whereas you have someone like, you know, Rip Rogers, who doesn't do all that, but also got huge reactions because he was able to do his role well enough. He. I'm not saying it's that he didn't need to. He knew his style well enough that he didn't have to to kill himself to do it. You know, Jeff Hardy working chin locks was never going to go anywhere. Jeff Hardy had to kill himself for his style to be popular. And I think there's something to be said of we were just talking about this with um, other Brad about uh, Ron Killings is like there's something about keeping the paychecks coming in. Yeah. Like I know everyone wants to like main event and be the world champion, but hey. If you can make a living being kind of like an undercard comedy guy or just an undercard guy that maybe gets a program here and there and loses most of the time, but you're going to pay your bills, like, why say no? It's, um, 
the being at the top has a lot of stress to it also, but everybody likes the funny guy. So if you're the funny guy on the show, you know, for example, you said Ron Killings or in AEW like John Silver, people are always going to love you. Mm. You're you're going to have a lot of longevity that way. So hell, lean in. And and Rip Rogers was able to have this dastardly evil heel style that he didn't have to do a lot of complicated stuff in the ring for it to work. It, we've also talked about the old timers who hate on, you know, back in my day, you didn't have to do all this. Like, no, 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 no. The really good guys didn't. You're not that good. Well, hmm. It's like, it's like when they said, like, yeah, I've watched matches where Dusty Rhodes works the arm the whole match, but literally Dusty Rhodes could sit down and read the phone book and get a pop. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like the hard times promo. If you give it, if you write that out and give it to, like, um, a speech writer or, or communication for, I, I, no, I'm saying I'm saying a professional outside of wrestling, someone who is a communication professional, they're gonna look at it and go, man, this doesn't work. Dusty made it work, right? Like, yeah, you, you there are some people that can. But in the modern style, that's not that's not so much a thing. That's not I don't have an issue with it. That's just the way it is. But Rip didn't have to. And Rip and Adrian worked together well enough that they didn't have to kill each other. You know, they, they were able to get huge reactions. By kind of being a little understated, you know, and man, I appreciate the hell out of that. So we're going to go to the last match of the night. So this is, I imagine this is probably before the Texas death match, but this is Adrian street and Tom Pritchard versus Rip Rogers and Chris Von Colt. Who I've never seen before, but <laughs> no, I don't think I'd ever even heard the name, but I guess he, uh, I guess he was kind of in that area. I think so. What I read, like he's actually, he's not obvious. I think from this, but I guess he's doing some sort of like uh, almost doing like, like a, the Mongolian stomper thing where like the crowd being too loud hurts his ears. Uh, well, I was going to say like because I, I, I looked it up allegedly he's doing almost like a racist like white supremacist gimmick here, <laughs> oh. um, which I guess to uh, to the credit, he's uh, he's a heel. He's not he's not like right. a, a face pulling that. But there are times, though, when. Yeah, that gimmick will get you heat, but that does not mean it's one you ought to do. Yeah. I mean, it's the 80s. I mean, they they were still doing, like... I mean, CMLL still had, like, La Nazi into, like, the last decade. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember, um... Oh, God, I think she it? still might work as that. No, I think she finally changed it. Oh, uh, Dump? Oh, Dump Matsumoto with the... Oh, yeah, the Japanese love their swastika, so... Yeah, uh, I want to say it may have been Opiroth, maybe. Uh, I made I don't think it was Emilio Charles, but it, one of them I think it was like Pierrot. They were doing like a like in the in the two thousands in, in CMLL. They they were doing like a Taliban gimmick, like they were part of like the Taliban. And I'm wow. like, wow, yeah, it was uh, it was something. Just, just wow. Yeah. So this is um so 
Matt looked it up and I did confirm it. So Chris Von Colt, I don't think had like a big wrestling career, but from what his wrestling wiki says, he died of AIDS in 1995 in a homeless shelter, which just sounds terrible. Yeah. It just dying in a homeless shelter. Like yeah. that's depressing enough. Yeah. And um, so this is a, uh, this, this is pretty much just your standard tag. And eventually Tom Pritchard turns on. Adrian Street to further that's what I wanted to find like if there was a follow-up match I'm sure he wrestled Tom Pritchard after this but um I wanted to see if I could find it like as its own thing because I was interested Mm. Tom Pritchard's another name that I I don't have much depth on so you know yeah seeing him pop up it's like oh okay I know who that is hell I've met the guy before but oh you've met Tom Pritchard yeah, he was at a convention I was at. I didn't talk to him very much. He seems like I a nice him. guy. He, I, he's, I mean, his brother is a worthless sack of crap, but I mean, he seems cool. He was, uh, you know, he was, he was pretty chill. Like, so he did um, Heavenly Bodies. He did a lot of stuff in like the USWA. Um, he was yeah. also, he was also one of the Body Donnas, right, with Chris Candido Zep-Man. and Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say Heavenly Bodies is probably like his his most known like most over uh, gimmick or yeah, body I'd of work. Yeah, say so. And they were yeah, actually yeah. pretty good. Um, I it it wasn't. I mean, obviously they uh, Cornette was trying to replicate like the Midnight's, yeah. uh, which he never he he didn't. But uh, it was they were pretty decent. I thought I I prefer um. When it was Sweet Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard, but then yeah. when it was like when it was Tom Pritchard and uh, Jimmy Del Rey, I, it wasn't as good in my opinion. It, but it wasn't as good match wise. But I feel like Jimmy Del Rey, like there was like he was such like a dirt bag. Like it really <laughs> added an element that Stan Lane could. He was he was like gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, right? Yeah, he was like the kind of guy that like. You should probably cover your drink if you're in a bar with him and you're, you're, you happen to be <laughs> <Yeah>. a woman. <laughs> that's the best way to describe it. Woo. Okay. Yeah, like that's um, and I'm not the first person that said that, so. No, no, no. It's but it's a very evocative description. Yeah. So I mean, like he is like he is just a sleaze bag. Mm. Was he um? No, he wasn't that stupid magician gimmick in WWE. Phantasmo. God. <laughs> that a- that age of wrestling doesn't pay the trope where it was always like guy with professional job that that also wrestles i know who did what was tracy what what did they waste tracy smothers on because um, he uh freddie joe floyd or something yeah. i don't know that he had like a specific gimmick like he the, he's the wrestling dentist he's a wrestling plumber or whatever like the wrestling the sad hockey thing is, player. Seal Hopper was dirty white boy. Again, yeah. another guy they they wasted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that he, not, not that you're gonna like headline WrestleMania with dirty white boy, but but, I mean, but he right. was he was a good enough hand that it's like you don't waste him on like a, a this dumb gimmick. Then he wasn't even like I almost feel like he was at best like jobber level. Like they didn't really I, yeah. do anything with him. But I mean like I like that's the problem I have with people in their like analysis of talent now though. It's like, yeah, you're not gonna main event dirty white boy with um with with at a WrestleMania, but you could get some good mid card like 
mileage out of him. Like he could talk and he could get mm. heat. Like I really enjoyed when we watched that SMW show when he was doing all that stuff with the chain and just like, you know, showing off his big ass gun and calling. Oh, claiming him. he was in Central Park. Yeah, and like calling um, uh, Tracy Smothers a drunk and stuff. Like I thought that was pretty good stuff. It. There is something that people seem to miss in that just because you're on TV does not mean that you have to be main event caliber and you're not being wasted if you're not in a title program. There, one of the biggest things about Nitro in the late 90s was the cruiserweight division, and that was like the opening hour stuff. It's like you don't have to be that. You can be fantastically successful without being the main event guy, and that's okay. Or like when we talked about Buddy Landell, that if I had Buddy Landell on my roster, the poor guy would probably job more often than not because you know he can go out there and talk the heat right back on him the next night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, I would tell him that. I'd be like, now look, buddy, here's the thing. You're so damn good at, at pissing people off that this won't hurt you. So I need to do this with you. Okay. You understand that coming in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, also no booger sugar, which I know wouldn't hold, but it still needs to be said out loud. <laughs> he was but, literally the best part of the GWF when we watched that. Wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. One of, cause, uh, there's, it was him and it was Patriot. And there, I feel like there was one other Adrian thing. Adrian Street stood. had like a good match in there. I think. There was there was one other person who it feels like maybe I'm remembering wrong. It could happen, I but mean, it feels I, like I was, there was one other person that stood out, and I can't remember who it was. Well, I was partial to Muck and Singh. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, we yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Norman, he was, Norman the Lunatic. Yeah. Stupid um, Joe Pettacino couldn't let that stupid teddy bear go. <laughs> well, I mean, they're trying to to manufacture a heel turn on the first show, so it's like, well, I mean. Uh, okay, this is still kind of dumb, but okay, I, I get what you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, those you had three solid names there, but like the Patriot was not the world heavyweight champion in the section we watched, right? He was the TV champion. Yeah, he they they he he comes back and wins the North American belt, which was their top belt. <laughs> but that's my point is that. He's doing great there, but he's also not, like, holding the top title. He doesn't have to. Yeah. So what I, I wanted to say about these matches is um, if you watch these, they're easy to find on YouTube. Just put in Adrian Street versus Rip Rogers. Um, you're not in for, like, all-time classics or anything. But I will say these are super easy watches. They're a lot of fun. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of just come out of that being like, huh, I wish there was more of these because it's just like it's they're executing wrestling. I think the way it's meant to be, which is they're there to draw you in for the next thing. Uh, I will also add that two of the three matches were with, from the channel wrestling with Rick Rogers, which I almost wonder if that, <laughs> that's his that's channel, his stuff. But, yeah, but so. uh, you can follow that channel or go to that channel and, so. and, and see like, you know, a lot of content from him. He's a good follow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And he, um, 
we should say also because it's still hilarious to say is that he trained Pat McAfee who looks better than like almost anyone at NXT and he did that in like a barn. Yeah. Like Pat is not quote unquote fully trained, but he was trained well enough to be a good celebrity guest. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm, best, you know what? That's a discussion for a different time. We won't crack that open right now. You're talking about the best celebrity wrestler. Yeah, we'll have to think. We'll have, we'll, Logan, we can make a whole episode probably. out of that one. Well, okay. So you'd have to see it because they re- they really wasted him WWE. But I would say it's between newer stuff would be Kane Velasquez doing Lucha Libre stuff or Logan Paul. I think we'd need to make a list and go back and look at it. And it might need to be that we'd probably have to draw a distinction between best and our favorites. Oh, Andy Kaufman, though, would probably. (laughs) See, I actually I actually think that Logan Paul has talent Mm -hmm. uh, and some of his his stuff has been good. But there are people who uh, don't like him for personal reasons, which I I get it. Like he's done stuff in his personal life that it's he. I wouldn't necessarily say he's like a good person per se, but he, I mean, the thing people really dislike him for happened years ago and he seemed to have learned his seems to have learned his lesson from that. Mm-hmm. Like, so I like, like I know, I know the, the Japanese suicide forest thing was in poor taste, but that was literally years and years ago. And mm-hmm. he's not that old. So, I mean, that's the problem I have with a lot of people. Like, um, it was like there's stuff that people still hold against, like Randy Orton, who he's not my favorite wrestler and stuff. But it's like, uh, like if I was 24 and had a crap load of money and I was on TV, like I'd probably be a dick too. Like, so there's mm-hmm. stuff like that that people want to hold against people. Like, I, I have a real problem when, especially like they've done it to a lot of people now when like they dig up like something they said 10 years ago when they were like 16. It's like, you're telling me a 16 year old said something insensitive to like a minority group. Like I'm shocked. Yeah. Well, yeah, like that, that I think is kind of dumb. Cause there are people who they've tried to cancel the people, uh, usually like, like let's say like a white person who's now famous or something. They, it's like, I remember one day they try to cancel someone because it's like on their Twitter or something like that they said like the N word, but then you see like, he's quoting like rap lyrics or something like that. And it's like, well, yeah, as a white person, you probably shouldn't be like throwing that around. But it's also like, if this, if someone is quoting a rap song when they're like 16 years old they and they're just like, yeah, man, like this song's so awesome. Look, I love these lyrics. And they just like quotes a passage from it. I'm not, I'm not taking that to heart as like, a, look at this racist versus like, look at this just dumb 16 year old kid repeating a song that he really likes and he's actually liking and respecting the song he's just he shouldn't be using the certain language i'm not going to hold this like this let's destroy this guy's life but even even if he did use it outside of like a rap thing and like his behavior has been good since it's like to me it's just like okay he was just being a teenage edgelord before he understood like why he shouldn't use that word like that's that's kind of yeah like if there's like if there's like repeated behavior like Jim Cornette's yeah. a good example where I don't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore, but like things that people dig well, he, up like I'll say like about Randy Orton, 
is a mm. good example. Like the um, are you big legging me thing that mm. people bring up sometimes. Like that happened like twelve years ago, years ago, and honestly, like that guy seemed to really settle down once he had a kid. Like, so I have a hard time using things against him from like a decade ago when his current behavior doesn't match mm. any of that because he chilled out. Yeah. It, it, part of the reason that I used to really dislike Randy Orton was getting the preferential treatment. And as AJ Styles once said, getting the wellness policy rewritten to benefit him. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's like, that's some bullshit. You know, but on the other hand, it's not like he's been an issue since then. I just don't like watching him in the ring. Yeah, that's all my uh, problem is with him. He seems like he honestly seems like when you when he's off the cuff talking about stuff, he seems like a decent like he seems like he'd be someone fun to like chill out and play video games with. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't want to watch him in the ring, but he seems like he's a cool dude. Yeah. yeah. So. To uh to circle it back, like uh People don't like Logan Paul. I thought, you know, some of his stuff, some of his matches have actually been pretty good. Uh, but there are people who kind of like shoot that down under the the guide that is like, well, he he doesn't he doesn't go out and wrestle like every night or every week even. He maybe he does like the pay per views or some pay per views. So peep the knock on him is like, well, he has like at least days or weeks or months to prepare. And but, all of his matches I are thought, like I very thought Roman Reigns, scripted out. I thought Roman yeah. Reigns was the greatest ever, 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 and he wrestles like less than Logan he, Paul. He's does. wrestled, I think, like eleven matches this year. Yeah, yeah. like it, I don't care for Logan Paul because it, and I will also admit I have not paid close enough attention to know if this is a valid criticism or not. But it seems to me that his stuff is kind of structured off of being spot monkey as opposed to like structuring a good match in it. I think he um, I think he uses his athletic talent to cover up his like shortcomings, like in like experience. Yeah, 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 I can get behind that, which I think is I think it's fine. But I also think people that get overly critical of him, though, is like. You kind of have to judge some things on a scale with wrestling. Yeah. Like if someone's um, only been like for me, if someone's only been doing it for like a year and a half, like you have to judge that way differently than someone that's been doing it for like five or six years. Like, like a good example, like if Brian Pillman Jr. Like had only been doing it for like a year or two, my, like my, you know, my idea of him would be completely different than who he is now, where it's more like, well, he's been doing this for like seven years. Like, this is who he is. It's not like, well, he's been doing it a year or two. He's in his early 20s. Like, he's got he's got room to grow versus, well, they're kind of a finished product now. Well, uh, I look at Pillman Jr. and I also I come to the conclusion that the guy. <clears throat> OK. I'm going to best put this. Bill DeMott was a shitbag. But one thing that he did that I thought was smart is he told Charlotte Flair, don't start your in-ring career as Charlotte Flair. You need to start your in-ring career as someone else, and you can bring that in later. Because then you learn all the stuff with it, 
and you can then incorporate the flare stuff later in order to um, really, you know, kind of make the whole package. But this way you get and you get to understand like the mechanics of it and not just leaning on the how, gimmick how to get, and tricks. How to get heat on your own without whipping out like Ric Flair spots to get yeah. easy heat. Yeah, I think she benefited yeah. greatly from that approach. <clears throat> so, because you know who you know who I mean he wasn't good, but I, David Flair never got over that hump because of the way they introduced him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, Brian Pillman jr. Was spent so much of his career being like dad that he, he never learned that other stuff. Well, he's just and doing the so, loose cannon Brian Pillman now too, with like the current thing. So like, he's not even, he's still cosplaying his dad just in a different way. But my point is that he's, um, you know, he never he never learned that other stuff. He's just doing what his dad did. And I get why, but he fell into the trap and didn't learn the underpinnings properly. Well, remember so. remember when we did that Dominic Mysterio episode? That was one of the things if we said if he left the WWE that he should do is retrain himself and then put a mask on and do no, like do no reference to being myster- like a Mysterio until you, like, well, you, you've figured it like, till you've gotten some reps on your own. Apparently, um, especially backstage, he has really been, you know, he talks to everybody. He takes their advice. He listens to them and has found a way to get himself very over as a heel, which I'll admit is pretty impressive because he wasn't. Um, now I, I haven't watched his in-ring stuff because it's not. I don't. I don't care. Like it's. It is not anything against him. It's just I don't want to watch that company honestly, anymore. Honestly, honestly, like I don't want to watch that company anymore. But like I am so fucking over the Judgment Day and everyone involved with it. Mm. I mean, even setting aside the Judgment like, Day they and just, that sort of stuff. They just had a fucking War Games and they're still out there like nothing happened. It, Setting, uh, how can I phrase this? Trying to look at him specifically as opposed to lumped in with them. The guy has apparently been working on getting his stuff, you know, tightening it up and, and getting better at it and that sort of thing. I would say he found the way to get the most out of his limited aptitude for it. Okay, you know what? In the, in which case, fantastic. Yep. I am thrilled for him. That, and I don't that mean that is a backhanded compliment because there are plenty of people with a great aptitude for wrestling that never get anywhere yeah. near good at it because they don't put in the work. Like being kind of okay at it and like getting somewhere with that is way more impressive than someone that's just like good at it and never puts the work in. How can I best put this? And and this is going to sound like I'm taking this as an opportunity to slam somebody, and that's not what I'm doing. But in his current state, I would call Dominic Mysterio more successful than Jonathan Gresham because the guy draws huge heat from, you know. Now, Shad. Yes, he's working in a big company, 
Shad, he, no, that's and he Mr. wasn't high ranked on the PWI. That's I know. Mr. Top Twenty in the PWI, Jonathan Gresham to you. <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying is Gresham's good in the ring, but the strike against him has always been okay and and he doesn't take criticism very well. That was my other takeaway from Gresham. Whereas everybody, like unanimously, says, "Oh, Dominic." listens to everybody and he comes and he asks questions and he takes it to heart and he does all of this stuff and he, so i would call him more successful because the guy is he has found a way to make what he has work more power to him and he's uh no he he's not he's not the the crazy natural athlete that his father was but he doesn't have to be so he's found what works for him, and it's working on a big scale. Great, fantastic. You know that's that's great. Um, it's kind of like what when you watch CM Punk wrestle, and like he just has no athletic talent. And it's like I don't like CM Punk, but there's times it's like, huh, he really does get the most out of like his total like <laughs> unathletic body, like because because remember I think I described him coming off the top rope once as is akin to a dead elk being shot out of a catapult. <laughs> I mean, it's not really surprising that he's like horribly injured himself. No, he's just like, not the last, like, a couple years. Like, I don't even mean that to shit on him. Um, but that was my takeaway from his MMA career. But even before that is he just has no athletic ability whatsoever. Yeah. Um, not, I, I'm just in no way impressed. Um, and, and I mean, it, like I said, like there's been plenty of wrestlers with no athletic ability. Like Jake Roberts was not like an athlete. <laughs> no, but he didn't. Okay, yeah, that's that's a. Yes, he found the other aspects that really worked. So. Yeah. So I think we're gonna I, we're gonna wrap. Oh, no, Matt's got something to say. Uh, I was just gonna to add to the CM Punk thing, and I I mentioned this to you guys like back in the day, like when I forget maybe it was the second maybe the second MMA fight he did, but it's like when he was like starting it, and then he did like a little spin kick thingy, but mm-hmm. he didn't do it like I'm trying to connect. He was just like it was all for show. I was like, oh no, it's not gonna yeah. go well. We we did that. We yeah. reviewed that fight. This is a way I think on like the third or fourth episode of this show. I don't think it was that far back, but it was really early. It was like in the first 10 episodes. Was it? Okay. I just remember watching that and thinking to myself, dude, no, yeah, there's you're you're sunk. If that's what you're doing here, you're sunk. There's no question about it. No, I know. <laughs> I know guys that have only done a couple of amateur fights that would just eat him alive. Like I had an opportunity to go into MMA stuff when I was in college and opted out because everybody I would have been training with would have been an asshole. Um, but you know, like I knew the the purpose behind throwing a roundhouse and having a spin out of it, whereas he he didn't. He just did it to do it. I think I think whatever people were training him were just taking his money and not taking it seriously. That's what I think happened there. Um. I have I have seen several comments and 
either they were training him and just take taking his money and then whatever, or he would refuse to work with anybody that wasn't like a big name guy. And so he never got a whole lot out of it. Because it like, seemed like uh, when Lesnar did it, Lesnar like worked his butt off. Lesnar is also a just utter freak of nature. Well, like, I mean, people forget too that Lesnar almost like willed his way onto an NFL roster with limited football experience. With no football experience since like middle school or something. Yeah, like, and, and I mean, and we're talking like he was in the last round of cuts. Like he got close. Like it was. He, but, I think I, I think I saw someone point out it's like it was between him and one other guy, and the other guy got it just because he had more experience. But you just walked on to the the Vikings practice squad and damn near made the NFL off of what kind of freak uh, athlete you are. That's that's insane. He's absolutely a freak of nature. Yeah, and the guy is. About six foot two, he would fight at what about two sixty, two sixty five, and he was just crazy fast. Well, and I mean, I think Randy Couture said he never got hit harder than when Lesnar. And, and people, Lesnar wasn't even a big striker, you no, know. Mm-hmm. And people forget, like he, um, well, I mean, the fight that ended his career was. Pretty, I mean, where he went back to wrestling, like Overeem cheated because he failed the drug test, but um, mm-hmm. he pretty much lost because he got kicked right where he was missing his intestines because he had to have like a bunch removed because of diverticulitis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think if he had not gotten sick, like his MMA career would have been a lot different. It's funny, Dana White straight up said his when they did the press conference, they said his career is never going to be the same. And he's like, well, yeah, you were right. Um, put a big old target on him. but um, And he had the best – I mean, that's still the best pro wrestling promo is when he shit all over Bud Light <laughs> and said he was the worst man and he yeah. was going to go home and climb on top of his wife. Yeah. I laughed because I went and watched that with, with an, old, an old roommate of mine who's also a martial arts guy. And we're watching that, and they're like, oh, we don't like Lesnar. He's too pro wrestling. I'm like, oh, let's see what happens. And Lesnar wins and cuts that promo, and my, my old roommate was getting kind of pissed, and I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, my God. He knows – and they're like, what's so funny? I'm like, he's pissing you off so you tune in to see him get beat next time. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, did – um did – um. CJ Wilson's hand surgery. What the fuck happened to her hand? She just got, she got a really bad infection. There is a picture out there, I think from her Twitter that shows the status it's on, but what they did is they, they haven't closed it up so that it can air out. It basically, yeah. So you don't like, if there's any uh, infected pus that forms, it'll drain. It was, it was like, it was like double the size. Oh, it's black. Matt, like seriously, you want to see this shit? No, I, I, I don't. Okay. It's then on. I, it's I'll... in the Discord, but it's like, it's like. Well, I, I saw the finger. I haven't seen like a. No, just... the the oh. post op. Oh no, it, no it's, it's in the Discord. No, not the post op. No, I, I haven't. Just the, not... the, her black swollen up. Finger. Yeah, I saw that. Like that's that's a hell of a bad infection. I thought she was gonna lose. Oh, it, it was honestly. on her Instagram, not her Twitter. Like. Oh. Okay, still, well, I still, won't still watch in, that. Is she still in danger of losing it? I don't 
think so. It, so it, I will say again, not being a doctor, just knowing a little bit about it. Uh, yes, I mean that's still possibly if like it doesn't respond. The fact that she they did surgery, like they, I'm sure what they call debrided it. They were probably removed infected tissue. Uh, I would say like if she responds well to antibiotics, uh, you know that that would be pretty good and. If there's not really any what they call osteomyelitis, which is it, the infection has reached the bone, yeah, then know. then she would it's much better. Once once you start dealing with osteomyelitis, like bone infection, then it's that's that's bad. Like that's the the that's, chance that you're you'll lose a body part increases significantly. And unfortunately, that's what happens a lot with individuals who are like diabetic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I will say, like, because again, my mom, my mom had diabetes, uh, and there wasn't, there was towards the end of her life, there was, uh, there was a time where she almost like lost a toe because she had like a bad infection. Well, I and just, I know someone that hmm. literally just died because they like cut their toe, and it got infected, and then they like went septic and had yeah, a heart attack, yeah. like just That's... because they were diabetic. <laughs> Yeah, I have. Uh, I actually have a good friend. Um, his dad just died of essentially sepsis, and I don't think he was diabetic. Not to my knowledge, he was. But it, sepsis, sepsis is literally just it's uh, essentially a blood infection. But the problem, of course, as you might know, like your blood goes everywhere. Like your entire system, it's your like your blood goes to your entire system. So if the infection gets in your bloodstream, it can be spread to everywhere, and that's usually what happens when people when people get sepsis and they die. It's because the infection has now spread to multiple body organs. So yeah. multiple organs are fighting off an infection and, you know, they almost, it's like a domino effect, like s organs just start failing. And, you know, you can, if you have one organ that's failing, medicine is advanced now that you could probably like, you know, they could, they could medically find a way to compensate for that usually until you get better but if you start having like multiple organs failing at the same time like yeah it's like it your body just it's too much uh so if people who are diabetic obviously like they they it eats away at your circulatory system so that is that's partly why people they get they get cuts uh like in their lower extremities usually because they lose feeling and if you lose feeling like you don't maybe don't even know you got injured yeah. And infection sets in. And another unfortunate part of diabetes is that you your body heals slower, which this is something that uh, Kyle O'Reilly had just been dealt with. Because remember, he he had yeah. to get I think he had to get like cervical fusion. Something had, like that. He had to get a very serious spinal surgery. I believe it was cervical fusion. Um, and he's been like he had the surgery, I want to say, like a year and a half ago. So it was over a year ago. But because he's diabetic, it's it's taken a lot longer to heal up. And allegedly I heard that he is close to actually being able to return. He was, he just posted a, a photo or somebody just saw a photo of him that he just uh, was training in yeah. jujitsu. So if he's well enough to train in jujitsu, like it, it, the, the hope is that he's actually going to be back soon. But yeah, he's, it's something that's very serious. Diabetes, diabetics have to deal with that sort of thing. So, uh, and I don't believe that she is, obviously, but she clearly had a really bad infection. What's troubling to me is I remember like she was saying, like, oh, I like, the reason why she saw it 
treatment because not only was it not getting better, but she started having like redness up into her arms. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's real dangerous because then now, now the infection is spreading. So yeah. She got yeah. lucky that it didn't, to our knowledge, get into her bloodstream. Yeah. yeah I, I just to... looked it up. It, they did do a debridement and they're letting it, they're leaving it open so that there's, it, it there's, does. That's part of like, that could be part of wound care. Um, yeah. And that's where it just gets really gross because, I mean, you will – it probably will generate a lot of uh, – yeah. the old school word is corruption, which is, you know, like yeah. pus and other things like that. That probably smells it, like shit too. It probably smells awful, but, I mean – yeah. Fun fact, I was once on antibiotics that made me sun sensitive, so I was like a vampire. Like I just – if you, if you ever take something that makes you feel sun sensitive, it's like you start burning. Like you you feel like you're burning. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so <laughs> we were going to try and wrap 15 minutes ago. Well, I mean, but, I, the, the, the hand thing was just out of nowhere. So it was. Uh, yeah. Well, best wishes to her. Apparently they've they the, the treatment's gone as is expected. It's just gross. Um, yeah, very. So that's uh, <clears throat> that's that's uh, the Adrian Street Rip Rogers matches. Look them up. They'll they'll be a, a whole different thing for you. And then, uh, Brad, next next show, what were we coming back with? I can't remember. Uh, we're discussing Kaiju's of all Kaiju. shapes and sizes and species. All right. So we'll next time it'll be Kaiju time. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, whether it's the week we drop it or later on doesn't matter. We're just glad you're listening. And so this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. And we will see you next time. <laughs>